worship service. There it is. Boy, that worked, didn't it? Good morning. Time to begin our service this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad to have you. We invite you back this afternoon, well, this evening at 6 o'clock services. Also, uh, well, what was I going to say? I just lost my thought here. Oh, on, on the back of the pews, we have our new uh, welcome cards, and we would love for you to fill that out, and you can put it in a collection plate or put it in the, we call it the black box there in the back by the doors or in the front. So uh, we'd certainly love for you to do that. Also, uh, we want to encourage the men we're having our business meeting we call it a business meeting, planning meeting. Uh, it's, it's got a, several titles. It's coming Saturday at 8.30, so everyone that can come, we'd certainly love to have you here. Also, we're uh, we, uh, a day uh, late on Veterans Day, but we certainly want to uh, thank our veterans and, and uh, for what they've uh, done for our country and serving our country. We're able to be here and, and worship because of our veterans, and, and we certainly appreciate them. And We're having a dinner this afternoon to, uh, to honor them. Our worship service this morning, John Kelly will be the song leader. Joe Robinson will do our reading and prayer. Lord's Table, Jerry Stevens, and closing prayer, James Ward. I'd like to read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And, and pay particular attention to verse 11. 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effing effeminate, I can't say that word, I just told John Kelly, I said I get messed up on that word every time, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 11, Paul says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So it doesn't matter what our sins may be, may have been, God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be saved and we can be sin free through Jesus. Bow with me as we begin our service. Father, thank you for this beautiful morning that you've given us. Thank you, Father, that we're able to gather here and, and uh, serve you, Father, and study another portion of your word. Father, we're thankful for those here this morning. We're mindful of those uh, who are not here. 
because, Father, they may not be able to be here physically, then we pray for them and those, Father, who are not here because they chose to be, we, we certainly pray for them. And Father, we ask that you will uh, be with the sick of this congregation, be with the uh, many names that were mentioned in our Bible class and, and those who are in our bulletin and others that uh, we may not know about at this time. We pray that you'll bless them. And Father, for those uh, taking uh, cancer treatments, we, we pray for these treatments. We pray for good results. And, and whatever anyone's situation is, Father, we just pray that you'll bless them. And, Bless our shut-ins at this time of year and help us to always be mindful of them. Thank you, Father, for our veterans. Thank you for this country. And, and Father, we pray for our country and we pray for the world, uh, for all that's going on in the world and, and these wars and battles and hatred. And, and we just pray, Father, that that, that can change and, and help us all to pray for that and, and, and to believe that, that that can happen. We thank you, Father, for Jesus and for him dying on the cross for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 253, How Shall the Young Secure Their Heart? 253. Next hymn this morning, number 434, More Holiness Give Me, 434. After this hymn, Brother Joe Robinson will have our scripture in prayer. More holiness give me, more Oh, 
Good morning. If you would turn to uh, in your Bibles to Jude chapter one, verses five through seven. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believeth not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving them giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you for this day and ask your blessing on it. We pray for each one here, Father, that uh, you might open our hearts and our minds that as Chris brings the message to us today, that we might uh, receive it with understanding and that we would apply it to our lives and use it in the coming days and weeks ahead, Father, to reach out to our loved ones, our neighbors, and even strangers on the street, Father, that we might share the love of, uh, of you. Father, we pray for this nation. Uh, we ask that... Uh, you be with us and uh, give us strength, uh, Father, for we see that uh, there's evil everywhere in this world, and it seems like it's only getting worse, but Father, you called us to be faithful, and we pray that you find us faithful unto the end. We pray for our sick, Father, that you be with their doctors and uh, with each one that... Uh, is in need that uh, you might give the, give the doctors wisdom in treating uh, these diseases that uh, you would uh, uh, just strengthen the, uh, the ones that are sick and that uh, you might bring them back to us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 287, I Love the Lord. We'll sing the first two verses. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, 
I'd like to read from Mark 14, 22 through 25, if you'd like to follow along to help us prepare our minds. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Would you bow with me at this time, please? Father, as we prepare to partake of the bread which represents your son's body as he died on the cross for us, we pray that we do it in a way that's pleasing unto you. Bless each and every one of us here today. Forgive us. In thy son's name we pray. And amen.
Bow with me, please. Father, again, we come unto you <coughs> thanking you for your son who died on the cross for each of us. Bless us, Father, as we partake of this fruit of the vine that represents the blood that he shed for us. Forgive us. In thy son's name we pray. And amen. Was anyone missed? That's the conclusion of the Lord's Supper. We now have an opportunity to give back as we've been prospered. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful for the land in which we live, the community. 
for the many jobs that each of us have as we live from day to day and go about our weekly activities and being able to be here in a warm, comfortable facility, to live where we have heat to keep us warm, where we have cool to keep us cool in the summer. We're thankful for all these many blessings and pray that as we give today, that we give from our heart, that we give back a portion that your word can be spread in this community, throughout our country and throughout the world. Bless us, Father, as we give. Forgive us when we're wrong. In thy son's name we pray, and amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 154. Give me the Bible. <clears throat> 154. Sing the first three verses. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat>
Invitation hymn for this morning, number 255, I Am Resolved, number 255, Brother Chris. Good morning. Happy Veterans Day to all of you veterans. We're looking forward to celebrating you at, uh, at the luncheon directly after our services this morning. We'd love for you to stay and allow us that time to honor you today. Uh, we are... the world people from our community are asking and so we are we're walking through some of those questions in an effort and I hope uh, to to be able to be a, a resource to be a light for our community and to ask uh, to answer some of the questions that they're asking and so this certainly is one that our world seems to be asking today isn't it you don't have to turn the TV on and leave it on for very long before you'll see this question arise uh, if you were <clears throat> growing up in the 50s and 60s <clears throat> excuse me you didn't see this that much did you uh, and, but in our, in our generation, in this day and age, it has become one of the, the big questions that faith has to answer. Uh, can I both be a Christian and gay? Um, what does the Bible exactly say about homosexuality? How should I deal with this question? And what should I think about uh, this, type, this type of lifestyle? Well, the Bible certainly talks quite a bit about um, this, this decision, doesn't it? The Old Testament talks about it quite a bit. If you read through some of the, um, the homosexual arguments, uh, some of these guys that are high up in this community that have written on these books, uh, that have written books about this where these, uh, these people uh, claim to be Christians and, and proliferate this type of lifestyle, um, their arguments are they just completely do away with the Old Testament. That's, that's the old law, and we don't live under the old law anymore, so um, Simon Gomorrah is... is not applicable any longer. The, the, the law in Leviticus uh, that would um, condemn homosexuality, that, that's, that's the old law, so we don't live under that law anymore, so that's not applicable to us. And Certainly we can make arguments against that. Obviously the Old Testament is given for our learning. It's given as an example. The old King James would call it a schoolmaster uh, that would lead us to truth. All of it's talking about Jesus, but it gives us this history with God so that we can know Him, so that we can know how He would react in any given circumstance. We, we begin to know Him uh, through some of those old, through those old Testament stories. And so I don't want to uh, do away with those Old Testament stories. Those are important. Those are Scripture. Those are um, inspired. We need those. Um, but I'm not going to make my argument from those Scriptures today. It's too easy for uh, our folks, our friends, our neighbors that struggle with homosexuality, that struggle, um, maybe they're not given to, to this, but they, the, the idea um, of freedom, of, of being able to choose 
whatever and whoever you want to sleep with, that idea has gained so much traction in our world. We, we need to deal with this, with this topic as uncomfortable uh, as that might make me. Um, so we're going to walk through some of, these, some of these passages. I do want to start in Jude. So if you flip back over to the little book of Jude, it's right before Revelation. It's the passage that, that Joe read for you this morning. Jude deals with homosexuality. This is not a new issue, right? Uh, the Romans were very big into homosexuality. They, um, many of them um, lived this type of lifestyle. So this is not something new with, with our culture. Uh, this is an old thing. Um, obviously, even going back all the way to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so mankind has been dealing with this perversion for, for a long time. Obviously, Scripture says a lot about it. Um, Jude, uh, starting in verse 5, where Joe picked up for you, he talks about this, and he's, he's talking about um, folks that have disobeyed God. And he starts off uh, in verse 5, talking about um, the Egyptians uh, and how they uh, did not believe, and so they were destroyed. And then he moves in, in verse 6 to um, Satan and his... His demons, the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. Uh, and so now they're, they're destined to eternal chains of gloomy darkness. They're, they're judged as well. Uh, and then he moves on to, to Simon Gomorrah. You'll find as you walk through some of the arguments from the homosexual community, especially the ones that are claiming to be Christians and, and gay, um, they will say, Things like, well, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for reasons other than homosexuality. There's a passage in Ezekiel uh, that seems to indicate that they were at least in part destroyed because of lack of inhospitable. They weren't very hospitable. Um, and so uh, <laughs> sometimes we struggle with words, don't we? Um, so th that's true. Uh, there's that passage in Ezekiel, but Jude points to a reason that you're probably more familiar with for their destruction. Listen to it again in verse 7. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Why were they condemned? Why were they punished? Because of their homosexual, homosexual tendencies. God condemned them for those things. That's what the inspired writer of Jude says. That's the reason he gives for their destruction. It's awfully hard to get around that. Um, we'll talk more about this in just a second. I wanted to lay out the biblical case, the New Testament case. Uh, just looking at three verses. This one here in Jude, verse 7. The next one's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So be flipping over there if you want to. Uh, I've got it on the screen in front, uh, in front of you as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, this is the passage Gary read for us this morning in his opening. In verses 9 through 11, um, Paul talks to a Corinthian congregation that is beleaguered by sin. Um, this is one of those sins. There are some members of the congregation in Corinth that used to practice a homosexual lifestyle. So, can you be gay and a Christian? Well... Let's put it like this: You can't be practicing. You can't be practicing a homosexual lifestyle and be Christian. 
like you can't be a practicing liar and be a Christian, like you can't be a practicing adulterer and be a Christian, like you can't be practicing greed and a Christian. These things, these things are, are mutually exclusive. Now, there's a caveat there too, and we'll deal with that in just a second. Um, but let's deal with, with the, the biblical case uh, against homosexuality in the very first place because most of our friends uh, and neighbors who, who struggle with homosexuality, at least who struggle with um, the idea, if they're not struggling with the sin, that they want everyone to accept it um, because we're, we're a culture of tolerance and those kinds of things. And so just just tolerate it. Go along to get along, and that's, that's just not how God works. Um, he has a standard, and you either live up to the standard or, or you don't. And if you don't, there's condemnation. If you do, then there's promises and rewards. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verses 9 through 11, uh, let me read that for you, and then I'll, I'll give you uh, the homosexual argument um, that they make to, in an attempt to, 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 to net negate um, this passage and what it, what it obviously says. Starting in verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. These people are not going to get in. That's, that's another thought that we're not comfortable with in our culture, isn't it? That, that God is restrictive. He won't allow certain people in. He can't be a part of sin. And so <coughs> the folks who are intent on sinning, he, he can't be a part of them. But listen to verse 11. Here's the hope, right? And such were some of you. And such were some of you. To the Corinthian congregation, some of these folks were thieves. They were greedy. They were drunkards. They were revilers. They were swindlers. They were adulterers. They were idolaters. They were practicing homosexuality. Um, there were people in the Corinthian congregation who fit each one of these categories of sin. And he said, listen to the rest of verse 11, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Those, those sins are over now. They're just as if they've never happened. That's what justified means. That's what Paul would tell us in the book of Romans when he talks a great deal in that book about justification. It's just as if I'd never sinned. These people have been justified like those things had, had never happened. He's washed that away thanks to the repentance and their baptism. Those sins are no longer held against them, but they were in this condition. This is a choice. This is a condition. This is a decision. Um, so here's, here's the, the argument um, our friends of this persuasion will make. This is, um, this is talking more about um, when he says, well, let me do it like this. Look on the screen above me, or if, maybe if you've got it in your Bibles, next to men who practice homosexuality, do you have, do you have a letter, like in brackets, like mine has up here on, on the board? My ESV... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Has that in brackets as well. If you go down to the bottom of your page, you'll see um, the 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 reason why that is put in brackets. Because um, the ESV has translated two words 
that uh, indicate homosexual behavior uh, into just that one phrase, men who practice homosexuality. So they're going to say, well, the words that he's talking about, first, that first word, malakos, in Greek, malakos, um, it means, and it's translated several times throughout the New Testament as soft. Um, and so he's going to talk about soft clothing or soft words or things like that. And so usually um, it would be translated to mean something like um, the way of a woman or, or something like that. It's a, it's a, it's a feminine uh, characteristic. Um, and so they're going to say uh, because of the way that, that women were viewed in the first century by, by their culture, this is um, not talking about a sexual uh, sin, but it's, it's, a, it's a moral sin. You're, you're morally soft. Uh, and you'll hear like, politicians talk about all these soft on whatever, 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 um, on these specific practices. That's something like what they're, what they're, th- what they're, what they're trying to argue here. Um, is that you would be soft on uh, this issue, on morality. Thank you. A gentleman and a scholar. I appreciate that. Um, so that's what they're going to say about this word. The only problem is that's not what the word means. At least that's not the word. what the word means here. Let me walk you through the next word. Arson koitai. Uh, is the next word, arson koitai. It's a compound word. Uh, so it means arson, meaning male, koitai, meaning bed. Um, it's where we get our word coitus from, sex, right? Uh, so arson koitai. This word, without a doubt, uh, is indicative of homosexuality. I don't know how to put this any other way, and I've thought about this a lot, how to convey to you these two terms without being... Um, crass. Um, the first one, if you've got the old King James, you've got two terms there, effeminate and, and um, men who practice homosexuality or something like that's the second term. Um, so it, 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 it draws out both of these terms in the old King James. The ESV just has men who practice homosexuality. But if you've got the, the King James version, you see those two terms there. Effeminate is the first term. I think it's, it's the one that Gary read for you in, uh, from his translation. So effeminate is malakos, right? It's the word that they would say, well, that means soft. It's morally soft. From what Paul is saying here, putting these two terms back to back, what he's saying here is there is an active and a passive partner in the homosexual act. Everybody with me? Yeah? That's probably as far as I want to go. (laughs) Um, The effeminate is the passive partner, and Paul's condemning that act. Um, the the uh, men who practice homosexuality, arson, koitai, um, many beds, is is um, is the, the the active partner in the homosexual act, and Paul's condemning that act as well. And so both both are are condemned. Um, it's awfully hard to get around that argument especially when you look at the Greek scholars. I'm not a Greek scholar. When, when, when I present Greek stuff for you, it's because I've studied extensively. I struggle with Greek. Um, but these guys don't. Uh, there's a guy that's named by the name of Thayer. He's written extensively on this, 
on this topic uh, of, of linguistics. In fact, he is one of, if not the preeminent scholar uh, on Greek. Here's what he says um, about, uh, about this word uh, that they would want you to translate as soft. Um, he says there has a, he says it's a boy kept for homosexual purposes, a male who submits his body to unnatural lewdness, or a male prostitute. So Paul's outlawing, uh, outlawing um, that practice with this word. That should not be known among you, although it was known among the Corinthians. He says that shouldn't, you are washed of that and that's gone now. It's, that lifestyle's over and you've given that up and it's just as if you've never sinned. A.T. Robertson, remember Thayer is the preeminent scholar in Greek. Um, A.T. Robertson is, is uh, up there as well, a contemporary of Thayer, just as uh, qualified to speak authoritatively on Greek issues. He, said, he has this. He says this word means effeminate and sodomites uh, in this passage, and he points us to 1 Timothy 1.10, where Paul outlaws, uh, outlaws homosexuality using the term for sodomy. So there again, you've got another Greek scholar pointing at this just not what this word means. They, they want you to say that this word means soft, and, and it's just not what the, word, what the word means. It's not a good translation. Um, and the respected biblical scholars that um, speak on this issue agree unanimously. So that's First that's Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Uh, Paul is outlawing the, this practice. This is, this is not something... Um, that Christians need to be involved in. It's not something you need to condone. It's not something you need to tolerate. All right, one more passage. We got Jude 7, we got 1 Corinthians 6. The first one you probably should go to is Romans chapter 1, though. Um, when you're talking to folks of this persuasion that tolerate uh, homosexuality or that um, condone it, um, that celebrate it, this is one of the passages um, that folks will go to. Um, they have to explain this passage. Um, they've got to they've got to find a way to explain this passage away because it's too clear. And so, how are they going to do that? Well, I'll walk you through it. Let's read this passage. It's it's Romans chapter one, twenty four through twenty eight. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So the argument here seems on the face of it, as you read through it, you think, well, how in the world could, can anyone not see what Paul's trying to condemn here? Well, one of the things he says here in, in verse 28 uh, they didn't see fit to acknowledge God, and God gave them up to a debased mind to, a debased mind to, do, to do what ought not to be done. 
we, we tend to see what we want to see in Scripture, don't we? Uh, if you come to it with a preconceived mindset of, I, I want to okay, I want to validate my lifestyle, what are you going to push into Scripture? You're going to find what you want to find. But if you come to it with an open heart, an open mind, and you're wanting to do what God says, it's awfully hard to get around that text. So, um, their argument is going to be that he's outlawing here not, not homosexual sex, but <coughs> promiscuous homosexual sex. Paul would be completely fine. This, this is their argument. Paul would be completely fine with a committed, loving, homosexual relationship. But what he's outlawing is promiscuous homosexual sex. And the only problem with that one is, that's all he says. You know, we want to be faithful to the text. Don't want to offend anybody for the world, but this is clear. This issue is, has been resolved. Um, he, he doesn't say that, does he? It doesn't say promiscuity is not what he's outlawing. He's outlawing homosexual behavior. Even if Paul describes only lustful behavior and not loving relationships, he uses the terms natural and unnatural and shameful to describe same-sex couplings. Wouldn't that imply that all same-sex relationships are sinful, regardless of how loving and committed the partners might be? So, that's the biblical case. I don't see how you can get around the biblical case. Um, the ones that, that do it, and there are several books written by um, quote-unquote gay Christians that, that try to get around these arguments. I've read a couple of them, um, and I would suggest you read a couple of them too. This is an issue of our day, um, and, and this isn't going away. This only continues to grow in its popularity. So this is something we're, we need to deal with. So read through those books and, and let's talk about it. Um, it's one of the, the reasons we're, we're working through this lesson today. Was, there's a need here. Um, but what they're going to try to do is muddy the waters for you so that you, you don't see everything you're supposed to see in Scripture. They're going to try to provide doubt for you uh, about either the inspiration of scriptures, if they if they hold a low view of scripture, or that that's not what the scripture says, if they if they hold a high view of scripture, uh, if they view it as inspired, then they're going to try to tell tell you that well, that's not what it means. Do your own research on this topic. This, this is what the Bible says about it. So, I want to spend the next couple of minutes um, walking through some questions. Um, that your neighbors and your friends that, that tolerate this, that condone homosexual behavior, might, might have. Um, flip over to Matthew chapter 5. This is probably where we need to start. Um, one of the big questions I've heard for a long time uh, is, well, I'm, I'm attracted to the same sex, um, and I was born with that, um, and so certainly that should be something that, I should act on, right? If God's given me this, this uh, desire, then certainly I should, I should act on it. It wouldn't be sinful or wrong for me to act on a God-given desire, right? I had this argument uh, in college with, with one of my friends. 
for hours when we walk through this, this argument. But it really comes down to Matthew chapter 5. Um, I don't, I'm not a scientist. That's not the way my brain works. Uh, if you give me a science problem, I struggle a little bit. Um, but if it were true that um, people are born gay, then identical twins, if one of them were gay, the other one would have to be gay because they share 100% the same DNA, right? Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, so if one of them were gay, then the, it would necessitate that the other one be gay, and that's, that's not true. That's not true in most identical twin cases where one of the siblings is gay, the other one's not. So people are not born gay. Um, I think the science would back that up. And, and, of course, they'll have more science on, on the homosexual side that would say that that does. Maybe we need to deal with that at a later time. But just, just, for, just for our purposes today, let's say that people are born gay. I don't think they are. I think the science says that the exact opposite. But just walk with me through this for a second. Assume that people are born gay. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Look in verse 27. God's given you, heterosexual people, desires, right? You don't get to act on every one of those desires. Of course not, right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he says, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. So, he says, even heterosexual desires have to be what? Have to be controlled. You don't get to act on every one of them. In fact, you only get to act on this particular sexual desire in the... Um, in, in the marriage relationship. That's the only time you get to act out on that particular desire. Every other time, we control ourselves. And so if you have, or if one of your friends, our neighbors, uses this argument with you, well, I was born this way, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the science. Um, but that's probably not as helpful as, as some of these other types of arguments. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 7, as a matter of fact, um, that he wishes that everyone were celibate like he was so that they could focus on the kingdom of God. Celibacy is an option, right? You don't have to marry, but if you can't um, control yourself, you should, you should marry. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But in this particular instance, if you're burning with passion for someone of the same sex, then that is a desire that is necessary to be controlled. It can't be acted out on. It has to be controlled. So can you be gay and a Christian? Well, can you have these desires and control them? Yeah, right? Then absolutely you can be a Christian. But you can't be a practicing homosexual and be a Christian, right? Just like you couldn't be a practicing adulterer or a murderer or a thief or anything else, any other sin and remain in Christ. It's not how it works. So these actions, these desires, these urges have to be controlled. Okay. Another question we come in contact with quite a bit just in our last couple minutes together today um, is uh, 
are you picking on homosexuals? Are, are, do you, you're just homophobic um, and all kinds of other nasty words that folks call us um, because we hold the biblical standard. Are you just that? And they're like, well, I'm, I'm not. Um, I certainly don't hate homosexual, homosexuals. I, I don't. God doesn't hate homosexuals, right? In fact, First Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 9, he's going to say that he wants everyone to come to repentance. Murders, yes. Homosexuals, yes. Thieves, yes. Everyone. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And that's, <coughs> that's our heart as well. And we're not, we're not picking on homosexuality. This sin's no different than any other one, right? Um, lying will keep you out of heaven just as surely as homosexuality will. Adultery, lust will keep you out of heaven just as surely as homosexuality will. There's, there's not really a difference between this sin and any other sin. All sin separates you from God. All sin is bad, right? He can't be a part of any sin. There's not one that he hates worse than the other ones. That, that's, that's Bible. It's all the same. So there is a sense in which homosexuality is no different than any other sin. Here's the sense in which homosexuality is, is a bit different. Um, let me put it to you like this. Have you ever seen a TV show or a movie in which a homosexual is present where they're the bad guy? Go back. Next time you're watching TV, next movie you see where there's a homosexual in it, pay attention. They're never the bad guy. Did you know that um, homosexuality has an agenda? It's been published, and it's been published since like the 70s. Um, of, of working its way into our society, of, of making it okay. We also don't have a parade celebrating drunk people, do we? But we do have a parade celebrating homosexuality. This is not something that our culture wants you to overlook it's something that they want you to condone. You see the difference? Let's, let's phrase it like this. Um, if you have a friend or a neighbor that is an adulterer, they're sleeping around, what do they want you to do? They don't want you to con condone what they're doing necessarily. They just want you to leave them alone, right? Don't, don't talk to me about it. Um, don't condemn it, but, but we're fine if you can have your opinion and I can have my opinion here. That's a different topic for a different day, but shelf that one for, for today. Got, a, got enough on our plate right now. But that's not what the homosexual movement wants you to do. They don't want you to say, well, I'll have my opinion and you can have your opinion. I'm okay, you're okay. They want you to condone their actions. They want you to condone this lifestyle, and that's, that's just not what Scripture does. It, it can't do that, and it can't be forced to do that. Scripture's clear. That's why we started out with the biblical case against homosexuality. This, this is sinful. God's not pleased with this activity. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul's clear. These people who practice this, these sins that he lists are any sin in Scripture. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a serious issue, isn't it? This is not something that we can overlook. This is something that we need to be talked about with love, with patience, and with thought awful lot of scripture
for too long. Let me say it like this. We, we, we should never be thought to be taking this issue lightly. We should never be thought to um, be flippant with this issue. We should never be in a category where or say things that where we could be considered to be making fun of the LGBTQ community. The, the, the statement LGBTQ and all the other, all this, that's not helpful for us. Um, when we deal with this issue, we have to stand where the Bible stands. And so what we say will be taken hardly. <laughs> we'd be, we would, it's tough for them to hear the Bible case against homosexuality anyhow. We don't need to make enemies on the, on the offset just with the way that we approach this. So we need to be respectful, but we can't say something that the Bible doesn't say. Homosexuality is sinful. They need to hear that because it's keeping them out of heaven. You need to hear it because there are sins that keep everyone out of heaven. There are sins that keep everyone at a distance from God. And it's not that he's not powerful enough to save. It's that we're not moving toward him. We're not willing to give over. We're not willing to capitulate, to submit to him. So this morning, if you've not submitted to him through the act of baptism, having your sins washed away, all sins, any sin, Rebellion is rebellion against God. And that's what sin is. It's rebellion against Him. But baptism washes that sin away just as if it never happened. This morning, if you're struggling and you need the prayers of this congregation, we would love to pray for you that you can be everything that God would have you to be. Won't you come as we stand and sing?
Good morning, church family. A couple of announcements um, before we are dismissed. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card in front of you and place it in the black box in the back, we'd love to have record of your attendance with us this morning. Um, as a reminder to all our veterans, if you are you've served our country, um, if you are uh, a husband or a wife who's someone who served the country, our country, if you are a child that had a mom or dad serve our country, let us serve you uh, this evening for a meal um, in the middle auditorium after services tonight. Um, we'd love to serve you, and um, uh, and that will be after services um, this morning. Um, so let us serve you. Let us serve our veterans. Um, updates: There's a men's meeting. Uh, this coming Saturday, November 18th uh, at 8.30. So men, please put that uh, on your schedule, November 18th at 8.30. Also, November 19th, next Sunday, is a special needs contribution. Um, also, Thanksgiving food drive is going on right now, um, and also through the 19th. Uh, and also a deacons meeting at 5 o'clock. Uh, Youth Devo also on November 19th at the Pittman's house. Um, for hot dogs and s'mores after services Sunday night. Also, um, with it being Thanksgiving uh, month, uh, Wednesday, November 22nd, there will be no Bible class, only devotional only. Um, and also, a new quarter starts uh, December 3rd, so we're still needing teachers and someone for Bible hour. If you can help out with that, please see Jeremy or Connie. Um, if you can help out to be a teacher or in some sort of way would be greatly helpful. Also, um, if you're one of our older members who, who cannot drive at night, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the four-year board. Um, I noticed Sue was the only one on there. She's feeling lonely, so I put my name on there that I need a ride to church at night. Um, for those who don't know, I live right next to the church. But, uh, so, but if you need a ride at church, uh, please uh, sign, that, that, sign that sheet, and uh, so that way we can... Uh, help you get here uh, at night. Also, uh, ladies class, every Monday, I do encourage you to come to the ladies class. Um, you know, me and Marvin uh, and Chris, we sit in the office every Monday morning at 10 o'clock, and we see these ladies come in uh, for this Bible class, and, and they energize each other. You know, they encourage one another. And if, if you need encouragement as a lady, please come to the ladies' class. It's, it's open to all of y'all. Um, and that's at 10 o'clock on Monday morning, uh, so we'd love to have y'all for that. Um, also, uh, as a reminder, there was no potluck on November, uh, so no potluck uh, during the month of November. Updates on our prayer list. It's great to see Jimmy here with us this morning, um, so it's great to see him here. Uh, Mary, continue to keep him in your prayers. Keep Jim Haney and Jim Martin and Chuck Davidson in your prayers as they continue with their cancer treatments at this time. Uh, as Carolyn and Lynn, keep her in your prayers as well. She's uh, back at Ironton. Uh, she's going through rehab, um, but continue to keep her in your prayers. Uh, continue to keep Friday Simpson in your prayers. Um, she's doing a lot better. She's going through treatments at this time, and it seems to be working, uh, but she also says she appreciates everybody's prayers on her behalf. Um, also, Merck, continue to keep Peg and Roger Pryor in your prayers and Charlie and Alice Boso in your prayers as well. That's all the announcements I have. 
Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 121. Do all in the name of the Lord. We'll sing the first two verses and then Brother James Ward will have our, have our prayer. <clears throat> Whatever you do, it's murder for thee to fall in the name of the Lord. To trust in him, but friends were free to fall in the name of the Lord. To fall in the name of the Lord. To fall in the name of the Lord. It's murder for thee. Let's go to God in prayer. Most heavenly and righteous Father in heaven, we come to you this day thanking you so much for all that you do for us each and every day, Father. We're thankful for this church, for the good message we heard this day, Father. We're thankful for the opportunity to come and sing songs of praise to you and commune with you. We pray that these things have been pleasing in your sight and according to your will. Father, we're mindful of the Men and women who serve this country through the Armed Forces, Father, and for the veterans, the ones who have done it in the past, we're thankful for their service, Father. Uh, we pray that you'll continue to be with the active members, Father, and their families. Give them uh, safety. Pray that you'll be with the leaders of this country, uh, all the way from the president down to the local officials, Father. Pray that you'll guide their decisions, that they look to you uh, for all things. Pray there's continue to be the leadership here at this church, Father. Pray that you be with the uh, elders and deacons and their decisions that they make, Father. But uh, all things we do are according to your will. And please be with the ones that have been mentioned on the prayer list. Uh, you know their needs and uh, their concerns. Just pray that you help continue to be with them. As we prepare to uh, take a Meal, Father, in the next room, pray that you would. We're thankful for the ones that have prepared the food, and we're uh, thankful for the ones that have mentioned earlier to serve. Bless the food. Thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus, and his willingness to be a sacrifice for us uh, so that we can have hope of heaven with you. And uh, forgive us when we do wrong. And through your son's name we pray. Amen.